Hello, Tom here. Behind me, you can hear some atmosphere from the Tour de Lunsar, a bike race that took place recently in Sierra Leone. Today's episode mainly focuses on that race and the challenges of putting it on and the importance of it. And it hopefully will really take you away as this music behind me is hopefully doing. It's quite a long piece, so if you want to listen to that, if you don't have much time, then skip forwards about 22 minutes into this episode and you can spend an hour at the Tour de Lansar. All right, on with the show. Hello, I am Tom Wally and I'm with Lizzie Banks. Hello, Tom. Good to be back. Lizzie, where are you? Well, Tom, I'm in a I'm in a very secret location in Belgium, but I will tell you more about that later because I am back at the races. Well, we played you in at the start of the show with a little bit of atmosphere from the Tour du Lunsar, which is in Sierra Leone, and we're going to be going back there very shortly. And it's a it's an extraordinary. It sounds like an extraordinary race. Um, I really, really want you to listen to this. We'll we'll spend about an hour in Sierra Leone. Um, covering the atmosphere of a very, very unique race. Um, But Lizzie, you've been far afield as well, haven't you, recently? Yeah, I have indeed. I've been over in the US, um, back at the Joe Martin stage race over there in Fayetteville, Arkansas. And yeah, that's where I started my comeback, actually, a few weeks ago now. And how was it? I mean, Arkansas, I think... um, I don't know much about Arkansas as a, as a place. How, how, what's the what's the sort of experience out there? How do you ca- how do you sort of ca- uh, characterize it? Well, it's a really interesting place. It's grown a lot since I was last there in 2018. Um, it's becoming a bit of a bike capital, actually. But whilst I was out there, I actually bumped into a friend of the podcast, and I had a little bit of a chat with them about well, you'll hear shortly, and also a little bit more about Arkansas. So maybe we should just go straight over to that. Well, I've just finished the Joe Martin stage race out here in Fayetteville, Arkansas. And, well, we had a really good race. We won with my teammate, Lauren Stevens. Um, and I just bumped into a member of Henry Furness's collective. Now, I'm sure you remember Henry Furness has been on our podcast a couple of times um, and always talking about these very exciting, very secret ideas that he can... He's can tell us his ideas but he can't quite tell us what they actually are but anyway i bumped into a member of his collective out here so introduce yourself hi my name is peter abraham i'm based in los angeles but out in fayetteville arkansas to watch the race today and we bumped into each other and well it's quite nice actually because this is uh the podcast actually has a bit more of a story in in your a bit of a role in your history of meeting Henry, doesn't it? Yeah, so the reason that I know Henry Furness is because I heard him a couple years ago, maybe two and a half years ago, late 2020, on the cycling podcast and tracked him down after that. And we sort of had had the same idea a continent apart about, is there a better way to make bikes? And so through the cycling podcast, you got in touch and you've you've created this collective and you've got something, well, I don't know, you're allowed to tell us your exciting news about your... Well, I don't know that it's that <laughs> exciting, but, you know, for a couple of years, we've been working on the idea of um, 3D printing bicycle frames via additive manufacturing. And we have a whole collective um, of unbelievable experts from around Europe. I'm based in America. 
Um, Henry has led the effort since the beginning, and we have our first rideable prototype now, which is very exciting. So does that mean that, you know, there's going to be more bikes available maybe to the consumers in the next half a year, year? Yeah, I think six months is a good estimate. We're just... Um, you know, working on the next prototype now, and then that one, hopefully, then we can um, bring a few out to the public and show, show them to them. Are you allowed to tell us the name yet? We don't really have a name yet. It's sort of a collective. <laughs> we, we're waiting for, um, you know, trademark Maybe approval. Maybe you call it the collective. Yeah, you're right. It's a good point. That could work. Can I really, you know, I'm really going to need some shares in this or like at least a little cut. You know, I've, I've brought you guys together, suggested the name. There's no question <laughs> that Lizzie gets a bunch of stock options in the business. <laughs> Well, I mean, like, what were you what were you doing before you uh, joined this collective, and so what brought you into this? I'm based in Los Angeles. I have a marketing agency. I work um, for all different brands in sports technology and healthcare, but increasingly, I do a lot of work in the bike business. And I myself have been a cyclist since I started racing in high school. And so we just saw there were um, there's a need in the bikes for a better way to make bikes um, that is more sustainable. Um, more flexible to customer demands where you could sort of say hey every bike is available every day because we can 3d print it you know the next day and so um wouldn't that be nice i need a bike tomorrow okay Right. And that's what we've been working on. My vision always from the beginning, even before I met Henry, was like, hey, you can order a bike on Monday. We'll print it on Tuesday and ship it to you on Thursday. We wouldn't start out quite that fast, but that's like that's the idea. And we just feel like, um, you know, the possibility for that is there. And we just started just decided to build this collective around the idea. And what brings you to Fayetteville, Arkansas? Because, I mean, I was here five years ago for Joe Merton Stage Race, and I came back, and it's beautiful here. It's amazing riding. I've been told that in Bentonville, there's some of the best mountain bike trails in the world. I've saved loads of pins on Google because I want to come back here and explore some of the incredible, you know, natural areas around here. Um, but what are you doing here? It's really amazing. I'm working on a project here, but I got here a few days early. I rode a gravel race yesterday in Bentonville called Rule of Three, Rule of Three which was so much fun and eccentric and cool. And what is happening in Bentonville is incredible. It's almost unprecedented. I think it's become the bike capital of North America already through the massive investment of Stuart and Tom Walton in bike infrastructure and mountain bike trails in particular. 400 miles of mountain bike trails that are beautiful, handcrafted. Now there's bike cafes, bike businesses, bike showrooms. Like a whole bike culture has been built. And I think it's one of the most interesting um, areas in the United States, honestly, building an entire region on bike culture. That's never happened before. Yeah, I mean, we've used a lot of the trails riding um, in and out of the city. We've been riding back from the races. We've always been utilizing those bike paths and they're really, they're well built. You know, a lot of the bike paths, I'd say, particularly in the UK, they're narrow. They're not really big enough. Um, perhaps they're just painted onto the road. Um, but here the infrastructure seems to be very um, well developed and a lot of it as well so you can actually get to where you want to go you come right into downtown on the bike paths um, just like a really nice vibe you know wide paths uh, we did see a snake on the path yesterday <laughs> but other than that very safe um, so yeah I'm, I've, I'm amazed by 
you know, I guess I didn't really know that much about Arkansas, having even having been here before, and it's got such a great vibe to it. It really does feel very friendly and welcoming cyclists. Yeah, and it's about to even upgrade again in Bentonville because Walmart is sort of almost done with their new ca- corporate campus, which is like 350 acres. There's almost 20,000 employees. They want to make it the most bike-friendly workplace in the United wow. States. They want 10% of their employees, that's almost 2,000, commuting every day by bike. So not only is the campus going to be full of bike paths and bike parking areas but then leading out like um, you know rays from the sun are going to be bike lanes and bike roads kind of going out in every direction from the campus so it's really it's amazing to see the intentional development around bicycles well I guess the last thing to ask is did you bring your mountain bike with you I didn't bring it. I brought a gravel bike this time, (laughs) but I usually borrow or rent a mountain bike and I definitely get out on the mountain bike trails because they're amazing. Well, Peter, great to bump into you and great to chat to you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Racing and recording for the podcast, Lizzie. That is uh, multitasking. Brilliant. Well done. How was the race? Yeah, it was a really nice race, actually, a race that I, as you heard, did back in 2018. So, it was. It felt really nice to be back. It's a very, very different vibe to European races. Um, more of a party atmosphere, but not quite as much of a party atmosphere as Sierra Leone, as you will hear later in Tom's um, amazing package from out there. And yeah, just just great to be back. I mean, I spoke a little bit about this over on um, Cycling Podcast Feminine last week. Um, just so happy to be back and it was just we had a really great group of of riders out there and everybody was so encouraging Um, we all really committed to our roles and yeah we got the win so it's not I mean it's not always that you win the bike race unless you're SD works Um, and and so yeah to be able to go there to restart and to achieve our goals it goals it was uh, yeah Pretty perfect, I'd say. Uh, well, you're on location once again, Lizzie, and you haven't told me yet. Well, I know where you are, um, but you, the, well, you're in an Airbnb, aren't you? Basically, T- tell me where you are. What are you yeah, doing? Yeah, I'm in. I'm in Leuven in Belgium, and I'm only a year and a half late for the World Championships. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I was racing. I was racing a couple of days ago over the weekend um, in the other side of Belgium. Um, over in the west at Dvazdor de Westhoek and I'm racing again this coming weekend um, just near Leuven in Arschot to Diest at Dvazdor Hagland which is a really nice race actually did the recon for it yesterday um, very chaotic as all Belgian races are lots of gravel sectors a few punchy climbs near the end so really looking forward to that on um, on Saturday and good to be back with the European peloton as well um lizzie well, i've never ridden a bike in belgium but i've always just thought like it looks like honestly the word i'm so surprised that it produces such great bike riders because it looks like the, the most difficult place to train like on the planet it's interesting isn't it i mean i don't want to offend all belgian people but i i find it quite difficult to train here and usually i'm not really having to train here i'm usually coming here doing a kind of pre-race ride a course recon doing the race and then coming home again and i'm going to explain a little bit why we both feel like that and it's because of the the bike paths which of course are brilliant what the one thing i love about being here is the culture is incredible it's it's bike first you know anytime anybody comes to a junction i'm so used to sort of overreacting as if the car isn't going to stop 
um and everybody just stops for you and the bike path you know has the 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 first priority so it's a really nice place to ride you know you really feel looked after but if you're trying to train here it's a different story because you also have to use the bike paths and um of course they're great safety wise but if you're trying to actually put the power down it can be a bit tricky so you have to find the roads that don't have bike paths the smaller roads or uh where i am i'm just on the border of um Wallony, so i'm gonna go over i'm gonna go down to liege today actually and ride down there um because it's quite different and also the terrain is very different um so yeah i also don't understand how both the dutch and belgian riders are quite so good but I don't know. Maybe it's us, Tom. But, yeah, I, I mean, it must be us. It's, it's definitely us. I mean, I mean, it's ideal preparation, you know, coming from the States on those massive wide roads and then landing in Belgium. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I know. It's about polar opposites, isn't it? Because, I mean, over in the US, the roads are so, so fast because they're, I, yeah. they're very smooth, they're very rolling, they're very wide. You know, you can you can just move up so much so easily. And the race I was doing on Saturday, on Sunday, sorry, it was as narrow as a bike path absolutely horrendous wind flat as a pancake um really really chaotic <laughs> so really polar opposites to the american race actually but i survived um <laughs> well, we're gl- and i was gonna say we're, well, we're glad and AJ you survived. came fifth so it was a good it was a good race not bad um lizzie well before we get on to tour de Lunsar, let's um we should probably revisit uh, a big bike race that both of us were sort of following through the podcast the giro you were out in the states following the the podcast through the giro uh, following the giro through the podcast i was back here producing a lot of episodes um, the, for a, the giro not normally that surprising when it comes to sort of tech stuff but quite a few interesting things to come out of it not least you know rog using a mountain bike chain ring um, for the final time trial up the mountain um, did you say your friend in, your friend did that or yeah, and it's interesting actually that that I think the other teams didn't think of it because you know we heard Larry Warbass on on the on the Giro podcast saying you know he phoned back down the mountain to say you need smaller gears because I think they were riding thirty nine thirty four mm. and it was just horrendously steep for such a long time and a concrete road and that you know saps the speed and the energy even more. But a friend of mine, um, he was going for the British record, Everesting. I think he was, you know, very, very, either got it or very Where, close. Whereabouts did they do it? Um, down in Bristol on a really, really steep climb. Because obviously the steeper the climb, um, the less distance well, that you have to go. Yeah. Well, do you know it was set, the, the record was set near where you used to live before that. So um, Sam from Set Valley Cycles uh out to where is it not Whaley bridge where am i thinking of new mills so it was set in new mills previously ah mm. yeah i mean there's plenty of steep climbs in the peak district um but yeah so my friend used a mountain biking gear because you know he needed to, you know if you if you're doing it for eight, seven and a half hours i think it was you need to be able to spin that gear um put a mountain bike cog on the back uh small ring on the front and it was perfect it was perfect as it can be for seven and a half hours of going up a very steep hill. So um, very bright idea by Jumbo Visma there. Um, you know, it could potentially have been what cost Garrett Thomas the win as well. You know, having to having to push a big a bigger gear than you'd want up that really steep climb for a really long time. Uh, you're just going to die at the end. Mm. Um, but also one other thing that I spotted was. Well, have you heard of the Aero Bridge? Well, I have because you've just sent me you've just sent me the link 
to it. I'm, I'm not really sure how a base layer can be aero. That's what's confusing me. Like if it's under things, like how is it aero? So the aero bridge is a base layer that I spotted because some of the UAE riders, I was just, I wasn't really following the Giro very much on the TV. I was sort of glancing, catching some of the highlights and I was living the Giro through the podcast. Um, and I spotted the UAE jersey and I thought oh that's weird have they have they changed their jersey because on the sleeves at the bottom of the sleeves there seemed to be a small segment that was white with black pinstripe later when Brandon McNulty won the fifth 15th stage into Bergamo I had a bit of a closer look and I realized that actually what's happened is they've got a base layer underneath their jersey and then <laughs> they'd actually safety pinned around the edges of the bottom of the jersey in order to to keep the base layer in place so then this got me wondering what on what on earth is this thing um and i looked it up and it's called an aero bridge there's a few companies making it and if you've got a smooth jersey which is actually not that common now if you've got a jersey with a smooth fabric and you put this underneath it can reduce you know the number of watts that you have to put out of 40 kilometers an hour or something by about 10 watts it's really quite significant and in the time trial we actually saw Geraint Thomas using it so if you imagine a sports bra it's like a sports bra but with sleeves added to it and interestingly you might be able to look back and see this Geraint Thomas had one of these on but he'd actually cut out the majority of the middle bit so it wasn't as obvious to see because obviously you know with a, whip, with a female cyclist you expect to see a sports bra underneath with a male cyclist if you see something like that you kind of immediately you think what is it mm. and um they aren't sponsor correct so uh, i think garrett thomas had also cut out the bit with, <laughs> with the sponsor's <laughs> name on it as well um so yeah it's something that's obviously being used in the peloton it's something that i looked back and it was actually registered on the list of equipment that you have to give to the UCI for the Olympics. Ah, so right. it was actually used back at the Olympics as well. But I couldn't find out which team it was used for. Um, so that's quite interesting because you're not allowed to to kind of use a ridged material in a jersey. It's been banned. It has to be part of the fabric. So I was quite surprised that this is allowed because it's a base layer because it's underneath the fabric. Um I wonder if it'll get banned. Well, listen, once, once, it, once it gets banned, fast. then people will just start doing like some kind of extreme body modification, won't they? And having like ridges <laughs> inserted under their skin or something. Yeah. That's the area. Sewing your skin together. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah, UCI. but it's interesting. I mean, there's quite a lot of, quite a lot of teams using it. it Human Powered uh, Health using it as well. I did, there at the Giro. I did see it, actually. I, I did see it. But it's funny because I watch a lot of football as well. And a lot of the footballers wear like a crop top yes. underneath. But it's, it's for data. It, you know, it collects data. Uh, there's lots of sensors on it and stuff like that. So I, that's what I thought I was... I was looking at but I'm, so I'm glad you dug into that um sh- from high tech should we go to sort of a more well a more low tech oh we listen before we, we should mention yeah um did you know guys that um lizzie lizzie banks has got um she's a proper cyclist because she has a fan club and i think i don't think you can be a proper well. pro cyclist without a fan club I don't know if I have a fan club, Tom, but I do have a fan. That is, that is, so Lizzie's holding up, uh, Lizzie's fan club. I'm going to refer to it as a fan club as, uh, they've given you a, they've given you a mug. That is, that is a beauty. Is that a Stacey Um, Schneider mug? This is not a Stacey Schneider mug. It's not quite as high tech. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I've got a mug with my face printed on it four times. 
Yeah. Um, my Giro win, second Giro win, headshot from this year, uh, Worlds Imola, and um, I think that's Tavastor of Landeren, which was my last race last year. And I've also got a box of chocolates. Uh, each chocolate has a picture of my face on it, Tom. So um, I haven't <laughs> risen to the dizzy heights of uh, getting a pillow with your face on it, which is... Which is the other thing that is, uh, okay, so the, the mug and the chocolates are, you know, from one Belgian fan and then there's the pillow, which is another specific Belgian fan. So, yeah, I have I have at least one fan in Belgian, uh, Belgium. So if that constitutes a fan club, then, um, yeah. Well, I'm going to push Docker. for it now. We need a, we need a proper <laughs> organised Lizzie Banks fan club. I'm happy to do some of the admin. and uh, But, we, we you know, it needs to be proper. We need, like, you know, we need a designated corner when you're at a race, like the Giro, for instance. You know, we need a designated corner. We need Bring some, your own cats. Yeah, so we need a designated corner. We need, you know, we need to coordinate our outfits. We probably need a chant for you as well, Lizzie. So, uh, listen, I'm going to leave that open to any any listeners who want to join <laughs> me in the Lizzie Banks uh, fan club. Uh, right. Lizzie, um, while we were watching the Giro, before the Giro uh, took place, or I might have actually crossed over the Giro, um, there was another big race taking place, um, but in Sierra Leone, um, in Africa, and it's a race that I was only slightly uh, familiar with, but um, they are supported by Science in Sport, who also support the cycling podcast. The race is called the Tour de Lunsar. And luckily, um, we had Oscar on the ground over at the race. And I spoke to him a few times from Sierra Leone and followed the race through him. And it just opened my eyes to a, another world of cycling. And, well, listen, I'm just going to play you. So Oscar was at the race. We're going to hear from some of the riders, uh, some of the sponsors, and some of the fans. And this, just let this take you away. So you hear us talk a lot on this podcast about science in sport and the support that they give us to keep the cycling podcast on the road. It's not just us that science in sport support they've also been supporting a race a very important race and a very unique race that takes place in sierra leone it's called the tour de lunsar now oscar scarsbrook who is media manager with the human powered health team is also a media manager for the tour de lunsar and over the course of the race, which took place in April, I caught up regularly with Oscar to find out more about the race, Sierra Leone as a country, the cycling scene out there, and why the Tour de Lunsar is so important. But first we're going to hear from Science and Sport CEO Stephen Moon on how and why Science and Sport got involved with the Tour de Lunsar in the first place. Yeah, it was... Um... It was one of those cyclings, a, a small world uh, events, really. On my personal, um, on my personal social feed, I got a message from a young man called Tennessee Dixon in um, in Sierra Leone, and he was actually asking me for ideas on how he could get riding kit out there to Sierra Leone. I, I didn't think a lot of it, and then I went and looked at his social feed, and I, I went and looked at his club's social feed, and. I saw riders with a novel way of dealing with punches. They would tie off the inner tube with string and then refit it with string. And, um, 
Yeah, that led me to do something personally, actually, outside of SIS. I, I, I set up a crowdfund and, um, and we, yeah, we raised a reasonable about, a, a amount of money to send inner tubes and other bits of kit out to Sierra Leone. Um, and obviously, I used some trade contacts to make sure we got it at a very keen price. But it started through that. So one of the um, teams racing in the Tour de Lanza just reached out to me socially. I kept chatting to Tennessee and then um, and then the guy behind Tour de Lanza, Kareem, um, also got in touch because he was very helpful with logistics. So I, and you just listen, you just listen carefully to the dedication of these riders, juniors, women and men. You listen carefully to the dedication and uh, you just I just thought any way we could help would probably help them. So we initially sent off quite a large quantity of nutrition and, and the race wasn't even in our minds right then. So we got some nutrition out because we thought it would help people learn how to ride longer distances. And um, we then started to understand the real challenge of, uh, of the scene in Sierra Leone, you know, the whole, con the whole concept of how you get things through customs and into the country. It, it became apparent that not only was this riding community riding on bad roads with bad kit, but also getting any kind of material through, through to them was not straightforward. So, um, yeah, in our usual science in sport way, being stubborn, we then doubled down and committed to get more and more uh, nutrition and, and, and other bits of kit through to them. Um, and it was a while after we got involved in the race. Basically, uh, after the American uh, War of Independence, there was a lot of uh, African-Americans, formerly enslaved African-Americans, who then sort of gained their freedom um, by fighting for the British. One thing we did face, by the way, is uh, a lot of blackouts. And that's why this first conversation between Oscar and I is recorded on a bit of a scratchy telephone, but it does get better. Uh, they settled sort of back in, in Sierra Leone um, after the war. They kind of they, they essentially came to 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 the town and city and called named the Freetown. There are people already living here. They are basically the descendants of those settlers. Into the city centre, and it really is like a, a, the noise, the sounds, the smells, the sights. It's, it's incredible. The wider context of the race is that yeah, Sierra Leone is, is the fifth poorest country in the world. It's something that comes across very obviously straight away when you're here is it's the average age is, is 19 and the, the, the sort of life expectancy and the life expectancy is up in the, in the, the high 50s. And so there are a lot of young people here. You, you, you're really struck by how many young people are in the population and, and it's sort of just going about their day and there's not much, there's not many job opportunities and not a huge amount of working opportunities for those young people. And so that sort of brings us to the, the context of, of the bike race and yeah. um, which happens up in Lunsa, which is which is north of here, or as I say, because it's a circle, it's a bit kind of difficult to gauge the direction, but it's sort of like ever so slightly northeast of here. And it's a small sort of rural uh, mining community and essentially the the mines of the mines are still there but it's kind of 
certainly they've, they've had their heyday um, and so the, the opportunities in, in the community aren't, aren't uh, what they used to be, as little as they were. And so the organiser of the race and the organiser of the local team and the Lutzar cycling team and, and the total Lutzar is a guy called uh, Karim Kamara, who is sort of, we know him and he's known to everyone as, as Stylish, which is his, his nickname. And he, he sort of started the project about 10 years ago, um, and he has a bike shop his, bike shop of his own in, in Linsar called, called the Village Bike Bicycle Project. 10 years ago, he basically saw the, the power of having a, having a uniform race and having, a, having opportunities for kids to, to ride their bikes and exercise and to look looked for something bigger and sort of compete on a, on a larger scale. Well, it all started with my passion, because when I came to Lonsar and there were new cyclists and nobody like doing competitive cycling. Good evening everyone. My name is <coughs> Abdul Karim Kamara, aka Stylish, the CEO and founder of the Toddy Lonsar. Bicycle freestyle, so they give me the name Stylish because like I was the only one in Sierra Leone doing that. So there comes my name. I started chasing um, school sports organizers to, you know, at least include bicycle cycling in their sporting event. So they started doing that, more especially in my school. I participated and there was no one competing against me. So I am on the only the only one competing against myself. Then later I decided to step down and like trying to mentor young boys and girls to see like, hey, you can go into cycling. I can provide the bikes by building mountain bikes to to hybrids and hybrids to road bikes so, so that they can race. Because like even my bike that I was racing with was a mountain bike and it, it was the best bike in the world, you know. So with that like, you know, I put that aside, then bringing them to the exposure of cycling. They started racing competitively in the school sport meet and like before finally I started doing the Tour de Lonsa. We are in, we have got many students racing in the schools and they want to get exposure outside of their schools in the community and the country at large. So that's where there comes my name stylish <laughs> yeah and there comes the tour de loans i started we ran for a decade and about four years three four years ago science and sport came on board and that and, and stylish i was speaking to him yesterday he sort of he sort of defines it in, in two in two ways he says oh we have we had the um the seven or eight years before the science and sport sponsorship but now it's he calls it now now the big race now we have the big total Lonsar. The first edition was really rough because there was no money, nothing absolutely. Until the, the fourth edition, there was nothing absolutely. It was like a dream for me and everyone, like more especially with the boys that we started to see that it goes year by year, year by year. And, um, you know, more especially in the second or third year, like with Village Bicycle Projects, we are like the only charity organizations shipping used bikes to see anybody we are only shipping mountain bikes you know when i came involved and like i said okay now we want to road bikes because i'm involved with cycling and i have many boys that are cycling they are, they want to go into racing so if you can start sending road bikes that could be really nice so with that like um you know 
here it comes grow year by year with village bicycle but here they started putting some like 20 to 30 years old bike though they are not needed but they are still like fitting our request like because they are still road bikes so there comes we take it from that point to this level where we are now and um, with the big support of SIS science and sports today we are in, almost in the bigger picture though we are aiming to do like you know the biggest race in West Africa, you know, like where we can host 10 or 20 nations in one platform, which is cycling. It starts tomorrow and it's a five-day event. So on the first day we have a, a junior race and a women's race. And the junior race is actually the biggest race in in, in the um, the biggest event in the race. I mean, it's, it's I think it's 40 riders, 40, 50 riders doing it this year. And that's sort of, it's very exciting because it's, it's, it's the next generation of, of these, these West, African, West African cyclists. And, and we've been doing it for, I've been working on the project for, for three, four years now. And you do see the progression. It's really, really quite exciting to see that progression through the ranks. Um, I was hanging out with a, with a guy yesterday uh, called Ibrahim Kamara. Last year he won the junior race and this year he's racing in, in, in the seniors. He, he's an amazing, amazing athlete. And you look at him and you think, yeah, this, this kid's a cyclist. I mean, he's a little stick of nothing. And if you, you put him on a climb, and this, this guy will fly. I'm telling you, like, he's, he rides 96 kilometers to and from school uh, each week, um, which is just, I'm just mind-blowing to me. And, you know, he, he's, he, they have, the thing is he has an incredible grasp of his cycling knowledge. Um, Junior, how do you feel? Much like Galapagos. Oh, I want to be like him, I want to ride like him, I want to sit on my bike like him, I don't know, maybe... And then we have a four-day uh, senior men's event, which sort of goes to and from places around Linsar, and we will always finish it basically on the same finishing strength in Linsar. Well, it means a lot for the young kids here because they know nothing about bikes, and um, for me, not only teaching them how to ride with the bike shop, we teach them skills, you know, and also teach them about racing, you know, like building both two careers on them. Example to me, I came from a poor family and um, with what I'm doing, I'm able to support myself then even support people internally and externally. So supporting people like Edwards, it reflects to me as an example. You know, if coming from a family with no hope, then living in the streets, getting an exposure to drugs, you know, theft and like many other things. So it gives me the inspiration to reflect from my memory where I came from to say drugs is not good and more especially for Africa. I see it as of no hope for Edward and the other boys like, you know, Cycling is the best platform for them to change and me as a mentor to them, they can take me as an example and I always check to see how best they can, you know, go out of this, you know, give them stipend, train them skills. They always work in the bike shop and the next thing is to see them go to school so that it can be like a, a sustainable inspiration to them. My name is Edward Cisse. I got contact with Stylish because I met with some friends that we are doing drugs deal. So I was smoking drugs. 
involving myself in bad life, so I got sick. So one day, Stylish met me on the street, sitting lowly. So he come and asked me what happened to me. I, so I said, I'm feeling sick. So he assisted me with some money and take me to the hospital for treatment. After that, he advised me to stop taking drugs. So I, I stick to his advice. So when I stop right now, I'm feeling better. I'm, although right now I'm not too that good, but it is better than before. And he usually used to help me, give me food, give me money, give me bicycle to ride. Because I do walk on the road, so I, 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 when I walk too long distance, I can feel pain. So when I request to him for bicycle, he give me a brand new bike. And any, any month, he used to give me money to eat. He assists me. So he's a very great man and good man. I love people like Stalish. My hope is to see the science and sports of the Lonsar and bringing Sierra Leone to the bigger picture. We are in, we can be presented in the world championship. You know, we can be presented in the Tour de France. You know, we can be presented in the biggest cycling platform around the world. I'm Abdullah San Kamara. Um, I am the organizer for the tourism and cultural activities for the Tour de Lonsar. Um, we are very much impressed over the starting of um, the 2023 edition and uh, we are highly impressed over the turnout and uh, we wish that um, this entire activity that will be last for five days and uh, will be going with a, a very successful ending. Honestly, this is not only for Lonsa, but it's as a result of, um, it is important as a nation because Sierra Leone have never been experienced um, in this kind of activity. And not until the intervention of um, Abdul Karim Kamara, who is stylish, the founder, who makes bicycle to be well known here in Sierra Leone. Before this time, bicycle program was just like a child's play. But today, it is as important as having a vehicle here in Sierra Leone. In Sierra Leone, the female team is we lack of female riders. So I decided to open a female club by the name of Ubuntu because I'm just going to organize a female team for maybe next year or any other tour. All thanks and praise, I feel so glad. Even though I was not expecting this position because last week I was in Ghana, so I did not bring my bike. I borrowed this bike yesterday. So from since week ago, I'm not riding. I don't have bike because they, 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 the airport, they told me for me to pay $200 for my bike. So I cannot afford that money or that moment. So I, I need to leave my bike and come back to Sierra Leone. So as soon as I come, I don't have nowhere to go with bike. So it's only yesterday, in the late in the day, I borrowed someone's bike and I said, let me compete. Yeah, but I well appreciated with the position. The biggest challenge and difficulties is bike. We lack of bike, especially my team, Ubuntu. We lack of bike. Even my teammate was there crying. I said, what happened? I think she got crashed and her bike was giving her problem. But me too, it's the same thing, but I just cope up. <laughs> Even though it's not really easy, but I just manage, yeah. Whenever we stage the event of the Lunsa, we have plenty of women and juniors that want to take part. But there is no way we can do a two days bike race for them, that is one. 
We are only having the finances and even little finances to do like a one-day race for them. And the challenge is that we can even stage bigger prizes for them. So it is very disparative to us. Like we are looking at the bigger picture, but the gap between that is finance, you know, and um, like we haven't requested from many other um, the countries around the world, like many women want to come and cycling, but like looking at those gaps, it makes us to see it like a challenge to have a deparative aspect of bringing that to a bigger picture. But however, we are very happy for the support of the science and sport to do at least a one-day race or one-day one day race for both junior and female. My name is Isita S. Monde. Um, I've been cycling for over eight years now. It means a lot because since I was a kid, my aim was to ride a bicycle. So I feel proud when I became a champion since 2016 up to this time. Unless I stop riding, that's all. My name is Roxanne. I live and work in Sierra Leone most of the time uh, and sometimes in the UK. I work for Reseed, which is an NGO which has sustainable livelihoods programs, which is development jargon for employment and income generation for Sierra Leoneans. Um, we pretty much only work in Marampa um, and the Port Loco district, which is Lunsa and where the taller Lunsa is. Uh, I support uh, stylish um, who's Kareem with everything under the sun I guess if I was going to put it on my CV I'd say operations and logistics and general chaos um, and kind of try to support him it's, it's a really crazy tour and Sierra Leone's a really crazy hectic place and it's really challenging. Um, and for, for me, the best way that I can support Kareem is trying to take stuff off his plate. The most rewarding thing uh, about the Tour de Linsa is a, it's actually a really hard question to answer because uh, I don't know how to put it into words because it is actually really tough. So yes, I I work it, I volunteer at it, and I and I rode the women's race this year, um, and I and I ride for Lunsar Cycling Team because that's where I live in Sierra Leone. I I I don't know if you can hear my voice, but I feel emotional just thinking about like the juniors and the like the young women that I ride with having the opportunity to take part. It's, it's really hard to explain if you haven't been to... I think Sierra Leone ranks the third lowest or like third poorest country in the world. And it's definitely the poorest country in the world that is in, in a current state of war. I think it's its actual like HDI index or yeah, human development index ranking. 
we're talking like one of our juniors rode without shoes because his trainers ripped and he only had slip like slippers and yeah stuff like that i'm not really answering the question but <laughs> to to give to give young people or anyone in sierra leone the opportunity to be part of something is i don't know it makes your skin tingle when the lunsar cycling team like we host we try our best to support our riders in a way that maybe a European club might experience, but in a very basic way. So we like essentially put on like pre-race camp, which is Lunsar Cycling Team A and B. So 14 riders hanging out in a, in a house. They're all sleeping on bits of cardboard uh, and like thin bits of foam and kind of like getting to know each other and train and, and stuff but and you go and visit them like in the evening like I try and go at, when they're on camp it's like the two weeks before the tour try and like go every day after work or after training or in like even like late at night to say hi like how's it going do you have everything as much as you can provide it and you like look at some of these young like young boys and you think they don't know it yet, but this is genuinely probably some of the best days of their entire lives. And it, it makes you feel so privileged and it makes you feel sad that, that that's true. But it also makes you so happy that you, that even in a tiny, tiny way, you know, like when they're older and, you know, it's, it's hard life is hard in Sierra Leone for a lot of people maybe they'll look back and be like I was part of something really cool I got to ride in this race you know it's a story that they'll tell their children you know I think if you grew up in Europe or the US you you don't realize that kind of privilege that we have that offered to us every day when we go to school to be part of a swimming gala or anything all that kind of stuff and yeah, for me, I don't, I don't, if only one person in Sierra Leone gains some sort of positive experience from the tour, that means it's worth every single penny invested. Well, we all know that cycling is like um, uh, a very, you know, talent's quite easy to find, but cycling is a very um, expensive sport. And you've already said you're in the sort of the fifth um, poorest country in, in the world. So, um, you know, how are the what are these riders riding? Where do they get their equipment and their kit from? You know, I mean, I mean, I guess there's quite a bit of disparity and and unrecognisable maybe from a European race. Mm. I mean, so the majority of majority of the kit is, is donated, and and some of the what makes uh, some of the, the images taken by Matt so compelling and so interesting to see is you can kind of you can see where the kits are from you know you can you can it's last year for example the we, we got a big um, donation from from grace brown of her of her um team australia kit and both of the the leading the leading riders the leading women and um, you raced for, for the victory were both in head-to-toe australian national kit <laughs> and it, it's really awesome because it's like you, you kind of it's this link it's this it's very obvious link uh for the race to the to, to outside racing for example dan martin's given um 
given a load of donations and so you know you turn up and there's there's guys in israel israel premier tech shorts for example uh lachlan morton gave a, a huge donation of kit um a couple of years ago and during covid and and so you've got guys in ef kit from a couple of years ago ef shorts and and there's, there's guys who wear you know team usa kit and, and uae emirates kit and it's really it, it, as a result it, it, it creates this peloton where you have all these guys wearing the kits of the best you know the best teams in the world the best riders in the world and that that gives a, a real novel look to the race most of the teams now are in a position where they have um kits themselves and and, and they've been given you know donations of, of kits but you can't you know that doesn't come from Sierra Leone. No, there's no there's no cycling kit being made in, in Sierra Leone. There's, there's not many bikes being made in Sierra Leone. Everything's donated, comes over on ships. And that's when you have, you know, shops. There's shops in Freetown, uh, bike shop in Freetown, big bike shop in Freetown, uh, for rooms in, in, in Lunsa. And that's where these, these bike shops really become pillars and hearts of, of the sport. So my name is Asia Fakakumokolo, but people call me Zifi, my Zifi. I will be 57 in October. As an athlete, you give your the, the age of the year, so that's 57. Well, very, very exciting. Um, being my first kind of competitive um, riding. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, I don't get dropped. So I currently use, it's the Enigma, the Titanium. Um, it's kind of like two years old. Um, the reason I use the titanium is sort of like the carbon as well, but a bit stronger. Um, in that it doesn't crack easily, and then I've got the carbon forks and handlebars and everything else. Um, but it's good for it's an endurance bike, and I like to use it in Africa, you know, all over like Nigeria, anywhere else, because of the road. Yeah. Uh, my name is Usman Tumpet Kaloko normally called OTK and I'm 27 years old. Well, a bike means a lot to me. Like my parents now, I love it's my wife, it's my everything. And it means a great things to me and great impact to me. And it makes me a great man in Lonsag because like for Lonsag now, I'm the most famous cyclist and everybody's looking up to me. So it's a great pleasure for me to be in the cycling team. Yeah, like as a teenager, I have a lot of stressful, like drug misuse, alcohol. But between I come in a cycling sport, it changed my passion because it doesn't go with me that way to take drug or to drink alcohol. I only just focus on cycling and I hope so one day cycling will change my story. Can you hear me? Yeah, I've got you loud and clear, buddy. Awesome. Right, so I'm I'm in this concrete structure, uh, which which Matt says has been uh, being built over the last couple of years. Uh, it's in the, the centre of a roundabout. And this is sort of where, I mean, literally every day, hundreds of people from Lunsar come and uh, watch from this concrete this concrete spot uh it's a, i've been up there myself uh the, the roof is a little bit precarious um i was told the first time up don't stand on the wood or you'll fall through uh so it's it, it, it is a little bit precarious but it's a it's an amazing structure and as i say like i literally hundreds of people come and watch from this spot and it's uh it's amazing to see i mean it's it's comparable to any bike race i've been to and 
if not better than any bike race that I've been to on the pro circuit. Well, let's listen. I mean, I've been following the uh, the race uh, through you. First of all, I mean, let's just get. I mean, so you you were you know when we last spoke, you were fresh into the country. Um, what have your experiences of Sierra Leone been um, since the race kicked off? Um, it's it's been wholly wholly positive. I I mean. Nicer people you won't meet anywhere. I mean, they're very, very, very accommodating, as you can imagine, and they're they're, they're super, super friendly. Anything you need, and and here it's. Dare I say? I mean, obviously, my perspective is is as a white man uh, and as a guest of the race coming into. Yeah, the, coming and also, you, now you've got a perspective of having been on many bike races in Europe before. Mm. So, and I, so I really am interested in that perspective. Yeah, I mean, quite honestly, if if if. If a spoonful of this vibe, of this passion, of this cult, of this cycling culture over here, was put into a European bike race, I mean, it would be significantly, significantly better. I, I mean, you know, how many races do you go to? Yeah, sure, I know you, we have the, you know, the, the the electricity of the Belgian fans and everything, but how many races do you go to where there's a brass band at the start and all the riders are dancing on the start line? I mean, it is. It's and then and then you know you, you might think ah oh, you know, they're not in the competitive spirit they're not in the you know fighting spirit ten, ten minutes later they're on their bikes and they are absolutely flying and they are burying themselves on these bikes in 38 degree heat it's 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 unlike any race I've been to and it's just it it was beautiful to see. So the juniors and women's racing was yes was the was sort of kicked off the action. Uh, the juniors race first. It's actually the biggest field, um, and it's very. It, I, I was standing on top of said large concrete structure to sort of get an overview of the field, and it it's a it's a large peloton of about sixty riders, and for here that is 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 very very large. Um, they're they're kids ranging from eleven up to eighteen. So you know they're all in the same race. There's no real there's no real age. Uh, categorization um they're they're sort of on real cobbled together bikes i mean pretty much every single rider in that race you think needs a bike fit essentially but it's still it's amazing to see and yeah so the the juniors race was won by a young rider called abdul rahman karoma and the thing about the juniors races it's got a lot of publicity over the last couple of days and you may have seen is that the the vast majority of the junior riders were racing in in kit donated by the hater brothers and 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 their father tim hater hello welcome to my name and i'm 20 years old awesome how long have you been racing um five years five years yeah since 2019 ah nice yeah how have you improved over that five years have you seen yourself improving with the more riding you do yeah because like um 2019 i came in ninth the year that i started cycling so like all the um, past years 2020 2021 i'm in the first five position so like i i think i'm improving how, how important is the race for you? Well, how important the race is for me, like, I want to achieve my goal. So, like, I have to take it serious. I think any race is important to me. So, like, I cannot neglect like, any race. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're wearing, a lot of you guys are wearing GB kit, uh, donated by two professional riders. Yeah. What does it mean to be wearing such good cycling kit in this race and be getting donations like this? Well, it means to um, for us to be like them. So, like, I believe... When they donate their jersey to us, 
I think we should do the same thing like them. So like I think that is our main um, motive and intention for that. Yeah. Uh, the women's then came later in, in the day in a similar format, similar course. And um, Deborah Conter was, was sort of the, as, is, it always goes into these races as the favourite. She's from her own women's team called Team Ubuntu. And she was, uh, she, she kind of raced very intelligently, raced within herself at the start and was getting others to do the work, work for her. And then two, two women, Roxanne Hargreaves, who works, who rides for Linsar Cycling Team and, and works for a local charity here. And a girl, a girl called Blessing from uh, from C2C, a, another local club, both broke away and sort of took the racing to the others. And so that sort of split up quicker because it was a slightly smaller field. But yeah, I mean, that, that game down to the line and, and Roxy Hargreaves won in a, in a two-up sprint. I will tell you the journey of some generously last-minute donated um, socks for the... <laughs> yeah, socks very important to have matching socks for the lct a team like imagine as a rider who has nothing to once a year you probably might get some kit and these guys like you know psychologically it's nice to be matching and they're like rocks rocks please get us some matching socks and i was like guys there's no matching socks in sierra Leone. trust me if i could find them i would have found them so i messaged uh africa rising um, it was like, in there's a guy in, based in London. It's like, do you happen to have six pairs of matching socks? I know someone who's flying on Friday. The race starts on Wednesday. Uh, you live in Angel, like, I think there's space in a suitcase. And he was like, give me two hours. He's like, yeah, I've got you some socks. I'm like, where are they? And he's like, they're at the giant shop in Camden. So I called my dad and was like, can Dad, uh, are you doing anything today? Because I kind of need you to go to Camden. My dad lives in South London. Can you go to Camden, pick up some socks, take them to Swiss Cottage to basically a finance director of another NGO of someone I know, drop them off to this stranger. This stranger's going to fly tomorrow morning at 5am. Dad, so I kind of need you to go like now. Can you just stop sitting around reading the newspaper and go and get these this is all for six pairs of matching socks um so just as well he's got a free travel card yeah and <laughs> the, the, so he goes swiss so first of all he goes to camden then my dad's a cyclist so he's enjoying his nice day out he's like i've just come back from my ride i'll go straight away he's he goes on wednesday morning coffee rides so I've just come back from my wednesday morning coffee ride goes to camden goes to swiss cottage drops this package to essentially a stranger. Imagine how many WhatsApp messages this is taking of my time, my dad's time, this other really nice woman from this other NGO's time. Then the socks go in her suitcase and they go to Lungi to Freetown, where they go on the... where then they go to Port Loco. And then on my training ride on Saturday morning I coordinated with them who were going on a project visit in their vehicle they passed us on our NGO car in their NGO car and essentially passed them out in a Sainsbury's bag out of the window and so now I've got six pairs of matching socks in my in my bib pocket and and then the LCT A team got to have six pairs of matching socks and 
that's like that's the journey of a pair of socks imagine when it's like two suitcases full of kit an extra suitcase to fly to Sierra Leone is 90 quid um you know so on wiggle or whatever that's not even a pair of decent bib shorts but that is you know like I pay for it so if someone donates kit it's got to be shipped a shipping a decent sized shipping box so you're talking like uh like two meters by one meter shipping box which is a deep there's a lot a lot of kit it's a hundred I think it's 170 quid and that's not including again my dad going to the shipping place and dropping off and packing the box and that whoever donated the kit getting it to south london to sit in my parents hallway for two weeks uh and yeah yeah you then you ship it to so you get shipped to freetown and we're based in lunsar and that's 60 liters of fuel to go and pick it up who pays for the fuel again this is all kind of things at home you just don't really think about but who's paying for that fuel to go and pick up this bike box and then the person who just wanted the kit donation or sorry who gave the kit donation they want it distributed across clubs across the country which is totally fair enough you don't want Lunsar cycling team to get everything but who's going to pay for the fuel and that time to organize who which clubs getting which kit and then like we sent some kit specifically to Kenema which is in the east so it's like a five-hour drive and then the donor messaged me and said they were really unhappy because we didn't send the photos in a timely manner. The team that we sent them to doesn't have a smartphone. So I can't communicate with that team from the UK easily. And even if they did have a phone, you know, like, that's a lot of demand and a lot of time for, for, for you to get acknowledged on social media for sending essentially 12 jerseys which is amazing that you've sent them but that knock-on effect of what you're asking or what your donation the those extra costs and stuff is is you know it adds up really quickly and that that kind of um it's a bit of ngo jargon but that money is like unrestricted money if you, if you had a donor that was willing to give you unrestricted funds and trust that you're going to spend them in the right way, then that's the kind of cash that you need. And again, one of the problems in Sierra Leone is because there's this perception of this like West African country that's really corrupt and there's, you know, loads of people won't travel here or anything like that because they've never been here. It's super friendly you know it's really there's a lot of poverty but you know i feel safer here than i do walking home from the bus like in brixton like and yeah that kind of perception of well i'm not going to give any unrestricted cash even if it's 100 quid because someone's gonna like it's gonna be corrupt or someone's gonna spend it in the wrong way and you're like well yeah of course that could happen but also then how do you think stuff happens if that money's not available um and for me that's really frustrating you know it's really frustrating my team are really really i mean we're team for it and we are not afraid but i expect anyone that we are on the finish line i expect him and i don't normally neglect anyone as long as you put on the cycling kit we need to compete against each other
like Sprint, my idol is Pete Sagan. I love that man so much. Yeah, my first idol was once my friend. Mickey was from Lonsag Cycling, but now he have dropped off. So Mickey inspired me to be a cyclist, but later he cannot continue. And Mickey was once a sprinter. So by the time I come closer to cycling, I started um, uh, shouting, so I got attack horse Peter Sagan. And I start following his move. Peter Sagan is a great rider. And I love him, though he's not performing very good because all about sports is a time. You cannot last forever. Everything is a season. You have your own season. But Peter Sagan is my idol. My name is Christian and I work for the Mike Spikes Foundation. We've got six projects um, on the African continent. Uh, Sierra Leone is one of the countries that we've been supporting since 2016 with donated second-hand bicycles that get imported by local sister shops and then sold to uh, recoup the shipping costs and cost of import. And it's really exciting to see how these bicycles have an impact on events like this one here in Sierra Leone and in other countries. So these, these bikes fill a gap between well, expensive new bikes if they are avail available at all and really cheap new bikes which you can find anywhere but are really not suitable for riding or racing certainly. I had no idea what to expect before we came out and um, we've been seeing photos and we read stories of the event so it's, um, it's humbling to see with um, how little resources an event of this magnitude is being pulled off here. So I think we, we're all super grateful to have a team car, to have um, support from sponsors, um, to have good bikes and, um, and seeing, yeah, I think that already puts us in, in, a, in a head start compared to a lot of the other riders. Um, a few exceptions, of course. Um, super exciting to see the team from Nigeria that is very well equipped and um, yeah, super fit. So that's um, yeah, what a what a <laughs> what an experience. My name is Mebaka, also known as Blackie. I'm the coach of the Pistop Lagos team from Nigeria. Oh, I've, I've been a professional cyclist, an elite cyclist in Nigeria then. So after that, I went into coaching and became a coach. Yeah, they are all good riders. Though this is Africa, but we have riders who have, especially in Nigeria, we have riders who have all the skills you can get from anywhere. So they are completely professionals. These guys you see are the pistol elite riders are complete professionals. Just like the Tour de France riders, you know, when it comes to skill and technical know-how about cycling. That is why you can see what they do in the race. How they are, we are able to, to take out the guy from U.S. and her. Pistop is a body, like, is a community that, uh, that, that, that takes cycling along with a restaurant. So, and again, it's almost like an NGO where they try to build young people to become professional riders. So, in Pistop alone, we have about 50 riders, you know, trying to be, uh, trying to do cycling as a profession. So the ambition is to build young people, bring them out from the, the streets, take them out from gangs and all, then give them a, lively, uh, a livelihood through cycling, the sports of cycling. Okay, the biggest challenge for me, I believe, even the cycling is for you to build it. They have to build the cycling in Africa. They have to build 
the cycling in Nigeria. If you can do well, you don't need to go to Europe. If, you, if I want a rider to go to Europe, yeah, they will pay him, let's say, $5,000. If they can pay the rider $5,000 in Nigeria, you no know, building the sport and in Africa, then the sports will go far. We don't really need to go to Europe, but for now, we need it because the sports is big there, not big in Africa. We don't really need an investment from uh, like companies from Europe to come and sponsor a team in Africa. But if we, we have our own companies, we have different kinds of uh, uh, bodies that can sponsor the sports also. But um, we can't take it away from Europe because they have already built it. So we, we can partner with them to build the sports, to grow the sports. Uh, the bike that I have now is a Cannondale Cat. Uh, it's 56. You can see that it's not my size. It's, <laughs> it's a bit too big for me. But the reason we brought this is like a, it's a medium-sized bike which could fit a smaller rider or a bigger rider since I'm going to leave it here uh, for the riders. Cannondale was generous enough to collaborate with Mike's Bikes and give us those bikes uh, to give away at the end of this race. So they came here with us on one-way ticket pretty much, yeah. Uh, my full name is Nathaniel Jonas Messner. Uh, came here to race with Mike's Bikes. Yeah, I'm also originally from Africa, uh, born and raised in Eritrea. Uh, I spent half of my life or the majority of my youth life in Switzerland, moved to the USA. Uh, I've only been to the USA the last four years now uh, so it's really exciting for me to just like go full circle uh, through cycling back where I'm originally from because I, I was a cyclist in Eritrea went to Europe with the ambition of to, to hopefully make it to the top uh, in, in, in the UCI races or like the the UCI projects that they have in Switzerland uh, that didn't quite work out as, as I have imagined it, uh, but I still get to get a good cycling career. I was racing on the elite and conti level, uh, and now I'm in the USA racing for Mike's bikes. Also, like an elite, uh, low-level uh, pro team. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to be where I am now. At this at this point of my life, it's more like. Uh, I, don't know, I, I, I tend to focus more on, on, on passing whatever experience I have and like trying to uh, tweak the, 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 the mistakes I've made maybe uh, that might prevent me from getting all the way to the top, coming with my background. And that focus tends to be here in Africa where, where it all started for me. Yeah. And now we're in the, the final day of the tournament. So tell me about your experience and how it's been. Uh, it's been it's been quite an experience, isn't it? Uh, riders here tends to be uh, much stronger than what we have estimated coming here. Uh, the timing and organization could always be better, you know. Uh, but I, I think if we if we continue to just show up in this kind of races, maybe even with more people next time and uh, not necessarily, necessarily just on the races but also pre-race or post-race spending time with the riders just helping them on how to ride races and helping them how to like look after themselves in training races all that stuff i think that could that could really push this country's uh, sport forward especially with uh, with the excitement that they have already all right so my name is mohammed sisay 
though I prefer to be called Mr. Cisse or Hammer. I'm a British-raised Cielonian. I grew up in a mixture of Manchester, Wales, so that's what the accent's about, okay? So, that's a good question. I know I got involved, I think, I met, ah yes, I met Stylish at a charity ride in Sierra Leone, and then he told me about the Tour de Lanza, and this is around the same time that I launched my own brand, AfriCap, which produces cycling caps and bags made out of Ankara. And I was like, part of my brand is to support grassroots cycling initiatives in Salon, so it was a perfect match. I, I would use the word participating rather than racing, although gradually, day one was suffering, Day two was managing, and today I, I did feel really good, actually. I was really enjoying myself. Well, the challenge is um, we need to talk to the management to, for next year to the Lonsar to help us with pumps and tubes with tires, right? That is more, that is the challenges. And also, we need vehicle that will get behind us for water, to help the riders so that they will not exhaust. Okay, the next day, the Saturday, was a very, very, very bizarre day. Um, in terms of bike racing, I don't think I've been at bike race that has got any more weird. Uh, even <laughs> yesterday's, even yesterday's Brittany stage does it does can't hold a candle to to what happened on Saturday. Um, the basically the president came to town, ah, uh, yes. the president of of Sierra Leone, uh, which was. Uh, a, a, a far greater bit of pageantry than I thought it was going to be. Um, and there's a sort of like a, a dirt sort of dirt, dirt track stadium in, in the middle of the town. And uh, unfortunately, our, our, our stage start was told that we were, we were not able to get on the roads at all uh, when the president was here. So instead, we went to this rally, uh, this political rally for four hours in the midday sun shelter you know trying to get as much shelter as possible under anything they could find and it was it was quite staggering um to to sort of witness uh before a bike race i mean how many bike races do you know where it's sort of taken over by uh, a political rally so priya john dede from the nigerian team he won all three jerseys um mainly because of his attacking racing and and how many how many breakaways he was in he won yeah he won he won all three um in a car style uh, way Priya was first and then we had his teammate in second and then Nate from Mike's Bikes was third and they had a big uh, the, the the podiums are also quite amazing we sort of had a, about 40 minutes 45 minutes of, of podium ceremony and dancing and traditional dancing and and music and it was it was a real party atmosphere uh, which in about 35 degrees was was quite was quite something um, but yeah, it was it was a real beautiful end uh, to, to to the week, and so many fans out there to just watch it and and sort of fascinated by the racing. And hopefully, we'll play as many interviews as I got as possible because yeah. they really um, fill in the gaps. I mean, I, I, I'm I'm doing I feel like I'm doing an all right job, but these, job. these interviews <laughs> these interviews really really fill in the gap in terms of you know, the atmosphere and what people, what the race means to people, yeah. um, because it means, and what stylish means to people, because them and, and, and stylish and the race, really, it means a, it means a lot to the, to, to the town of Lunsar. And the main thing is, I mean, it's, we, we learn immediately, like, you know, sure, kit plays a, plays a role here and, and equipment plays a role, but it really is, it's the money that's needed to run these races and to, to get the competition over, because, 
I mean, in my opinion and in a lot of the, the organizers' opinions, the, the only way you can develop, the only way you get better is by racing people who are better than you and by racing more often. And this is the only bike race, uh, the only bike race of this size in Sierra Leone. Um, and so, you know, having the ability and having certainly having the funds to to put on more races in in the in the area and to expand the race to, to, to other parts of Sierra Leone really is crucial. Um, because, as I said the other day, there's a, there's a wealth of talent here. There really is, and. The, it's just the skills you know that you can't teach you can't learn the 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 natural aerobic ability that these guys have you know they're, they're, they're sports people they've, they've got unbelievable fitness but it's the skills to learn you know how to race when to attack how to race together um they're the things that are lacking and those are the things that, that improve um riders and will will improve uh, cycling here so that more people will want to come and, and that race it. Well, I know UCI has been, some of them have been following the Tour de Lonsa and our goal is to reach the UCI standards wherein, you know, we can have continental teams from Sierra Leone that can be supported by different corporate companies and which can lead them to a better exposure. So our goal is to like reach the UCI level to see that cycling became top in Sierra Leone and West Africa. Like because if you're looking at the West Africa cycling events, like we only see like um, Todi Benin and Todi Faso. But once you see like um, the English part of um, West Africa has bigger races like Sierra Leone, one, Nigeria, and uh, Ghana, and many other countries in West Africa. So it's for me to see that happening, and UCI is having uh, like a continental African West African race, is the biggest thing. Well, listen, that really gave me the bug for you know wanting to go and visit some far flung off the beaten track races i'd love to experience a race in well any part of africa lizzie i mean does that make you want to go out there i mean you actually might get a chance to race in africa hopefully um mm. in a couple of years time but yeah what what how did, I mean, off the back of that i mean is that something you'd like to be part of absolutely i mean it's amazing. It takes you back to kind of your roots of cycling and that thrill that you first get when you're riding a bike that sometimes you lose when you become a racer. When it's a and job. It becomes your job. Exactly. And just the joy everybody on the ground is getting from this bike race is is incredible. And I, I, I do wish that perhaps <laughs> over in the European scene, scene we could take some of that and you know, as, as Oscar said, injects just a couple of percentage of, you know, the enthusiasm there into the bike races over in Europe. Um, and it's amazing that the opportunities that some people on the ground are managing to provide for, for so many people out there um, and the dedication and effort that's being put in. It's, yeah, it's a really beautiful thing. We've got Worlds out in Rwanda in 2025. Um, this year was interesting, actually, watching the, not really watching, but following the tour of Rwanda, because Chris, Chris Froome had, yeah. uh, 
he had a you know an absolutely mighty breakaway day there that actually ended in I think two punctures and a crash but I was actually following along on Twitter looking at a lot of the race imagery and because so many of our races are in Belgium in France and Spain and Italy we're so used to seeing the same thing over and over again and when you see something different it really triggers the imagination where is it um, before sends you to a different place where where is the sort of furthest afield you've raced have you have you done any sort of resident race in Asia for instance no not yet um not far to be honest um in Europe Czech Republic um but and then over in the US actually you know probably it's over in the US but in Tour of the Gila oh, in New yeah, Mexico yeah, yeah. I mean that feels it was a different really yeah interesting yeah really interesting place to be very very different vibe to anywhere else in the US um so that was probably the most interesting place that I've raced we lived off burritos <laughs> absolutely delicious burritos yeah I've been um, to that part of the world and I love that sort of you know um sort of Tex-Mex sort of kind of down there I, I do love that part of the world it's beautiful um, but I, I think you know it, after that tour de Lanza, I did I did start thinking oh maybe we should try and you know do something on um, every continent you know maybe cover something so I started looking up you know I've got a really interest in some of the Asian races uh, sort of the Asian tour um, I'd love to go to the tour I'll set up the one in uh, Antarctica yeah absolutely that as well I mean I'd love to but I think tour of Japan would be one that I would like to like to experience yeah i would love to race over in japan i mean i yeah japan's been on our hit list to visit for a long long time too, and i thought yeah. you know well i'll get to i'll get to go there for the olympics hopefully and i can go traveling afterwards and that didn't happen yeah so oh brilliant well listen well i do i mean i hope um it's got i mean like total has got me got me really really excited for for the worlds when they're they're out in rwanda and um well i hope you get to experience that i just think any race can be improved by you know some great drumming uh, in the background i think i might i did have the idea a bit of dancing and dancing dancing on the start line i think was the thing that really got me yeah i mean i think like i had an i had an idea to sort of um you know revamp the uk crit scene like just you know you know the, the, the crit circuits you get that were all of us have, have raced at those sort of dedicated circuits like you know bring like bring some music you know just make it more of a party when you go on a tuesday night to have a race i, th- I just think I get th- a dj on every corner yeah, yeah yeah that's the sort of thing you know but um look feel free to steal my idea because i've got no i've got no energy to do it <laughs> so um all right lizzie well listen great to speak to you great to see you i'm so uh pleased that you are back racing how does the rest of the well how does the next part of the season pan out well, I'm not sure really. Um, I have got this race in Belgium, Dvazdor, Hagland this weekend coming up and um, I'm training hard to try and get selection for for the Giro and uh, later the Tour de France and um, obviously there's only seven spots so I'll be doing everything I can and, and hopefully you will see me at those races. I hope we'll, we'll need another mug after that, won't we? Like with you know, your arms in the air so many times. Yeah, updated. Yeah, we need that. Yeah. Brilliant. Excellent. Well, listen. Um, Fingers crossed. I, listen, I, like I say, I'm a, I am a Lizzie Banks collector. There's, I've got one of your caps behind me, so I do... I do need a mug, so um, yeah, I'm going to collect all yeah, the Lizzie Banks. You're halfway, you're halfway to being the second fan in the Lizzie Banks <laughs> fan club. <laughs> I, do, I want all the. I want to be the. I want to be the number one collector of Lizzie Banks memorabilia uh, <laughs> out there. Uh, brilliant. Well, listen, Lizzie, thanks ever so much, and I will catch you next month. Thanks, Tom, and thanks to Oscar Scarsbrook for all of your oh, yeah. help on Tordelunza. Uh, no, I really no. Sorry, yeah, I should thank Oscar because I mean, like, basically, <laughs> basically, Oscar. I sent him one like an email, and he did the rest of the work. So yeah, Oscar, thank you so much. Um, it was great. And next time, maybe take me out with you. Yeah, maybe. Hmm? 
The Cycling Podcast was created in 2013 by Richard Moore, Daniel Freeb, and Lionel Burney. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.